you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I'm excited because any day you get to be at church is a great day. Come on, Movement Church, let's make some noise for God and what He wants to do today. Southside, I want to say what's up to you guys. How's everybody doing at the Southside? For our favorite campus, the online campus, those of you that are in the digital realm, throw up some fire emojis in the chat, make some noise. Let's get ready because God's going to do something awesome today. Well, hey. If you don't know who I am, my name is Joe Boyd. I'm one of the pastors here. My wife and I are the kids' pastors, and there's a number of things we do around the church, but we are just privileged to be a part of such an amazing church. And I just want to say a special thank you to Pastors Carrie and Megan, because this is a privilege and an honor that I do not take lightly that they would entrust me to bring the word today. So I wanna say a special thank you to our pastors. Don't we have some of the best pastors? Come on, let's make it, give it up for pastors Carrie and Megan, come on. They are phenomenal and love them dearly. Well, hey, today we're jumping into week two of the blueprint. Everybody say the blueprint. Awesome, yes, week two, but week one last week was incredible. So if you didn't get to check it out, make sure you go online. Pastor Kerry brought the word. I'm not kidding you, it's incredible. So make sure you go back and check it out. But the blueprint is all about Jesus's kingdom. It's outlining the mission of Jesus because Jesus's mission is our mission. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. And so we wanna unpack the blueprint because This series is based on Mark chapter one. Mark is one of the first gospels in the New Testament. And in Mark chapter one, Jesus has come to kind of come out onto the scene, right? You know, he's been developing, growing up, building stuff, being Jesus, walking around in sandals, but man, boom, Mark chapter one, Jesus is here and it's game time. See, Jesus come on the scene and he's been recognized by man. Man has confessed with his mouth that Jesus is the son of God. Not only has he been recognized by God, but he's also been, or excuse me, recognized by man, but he's also been affirmed by God. God said, I am well pleased with you. And not only has he been affirmed by God, but you know it's real, it's game time when Satan has acknowledged him. Listen, if Satan has acknowledged him, this is now a threat to Satan taking over the kingdom, right? And so Jesus has come out and he's revealed and unpacked his message, the message of good news. Well, Pastor Kerry unpacked that last week and he talked about how the message of good news is timely, it's available, It's decisive and it's assuring. And so now that Jesus has unpacked his message, it's time for him to choose his disciples. See, because Jesus is, is strictly business. He's about the mission that God has given him. And so now we find ourselves in verse 16 through 20 and Jesus is ready to choose his team. So let's read, let's turn to Mark chapter one, verse 16 through 20. It says that passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. 
And Jesus said to them, follow me. Everyone say, follow me. For, or, <laughs> follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little bit farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee. That's a millennial name if I've ever heard one. James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets and immediately, everyone say immediately, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. So from this passage, we can gather a few things, right? After publicly announcing the good news, Jesus starts selecting his disciples. See, Jesus realizes that this mission is not only urgent, not only world changing, but he can't do it on his own. See, Jesus realizes that he needs friends whom he can trust, disciples whom he can teach, and coworkers to share in his task. See, Jesus calls out to these guys and says, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. See, Jesus wasn't about the pleasantries. He's like, he wasn't like, hey, um, excuse me. Hey, hey, over there. Hey, you guys catching any fish? Uh, great, my name's Jesus. I'd like to talk to you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He, no, he wasn't about the pleasantries. His first thing was, follow me. I mean, that's a big deal. This guy's, he's, he's not waiting around. He's about to get some stuff done. And the guys in the boat, it says that they immediately left and followed Jesus. Two of them left their father in the boat with a bunch of hired servants. They're like, peace out, dad, we're gonna go follow this guy. He said to follow him, I don't know. We're gonna go check this out, right? And so I think what's important to realize is that as Jesus unpacked his message and now he's summoning his team, right? His Avengers, if you will, that same invitation that he gave to those fishermen at the Sea of Galilee that day, that same invitation is the one that Jesus is offering to you and to I today. And this is where I wanna stop. This is where I wanna linger today. And this is what I wanna unpack with you guys. Can we do that? All right, fantastic. Well, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes and we'll jump into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for this word. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, and most importantly, open our hearts to what it is that you want to speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. So as I was reading this and thinking about, you know, Jesus picking his team, I'm thinking through the lens of like, okay, he's picking his team. What were the qualifications that he was picking this team with, you know? And then I started, as my mind does, I don't know how your minds work, but my mind just started rabbit trailing immediately. And all of a sudden I found myself in elementary school. And I'm thinking back to the days of being in elementary school. And my favorite thing, hands down, of being in elementary school was kickball. I don't care if it was recess, if it was PE, I was praying. If it was raining like it was today, I was like, Jesus, please let the rain stop because kickball's got to happen. And so kickball, the greatest part about it was if you got to be captain. Mm, if you got to be captain, you got to pick your team. You're like, we're going to dominate today. 
And so also you want to be captain because then you avoid the possibility of being picked last. And nobody wants to deal with that. Like if I can control my own destiny, ain't nobody making fun of me. And so when I would pick a team, I would sit there and think through, okay, we need someone who can kick, someone who can run really fast, someone who can catch the ball, and we don't want any quitters on this team. No, we don't need that. We're going to win, and we need some people that are going to work hard at this. And so you'd pick your team, and you're looking at what you have available, right? And you're going, this kid can do catching all right. He can run, but he cannot kick. And you're like, well, it's the best we got. So you're on my team, Tommy. Let's go. And so I'm sitting here thinking about this and going, okay, it, this, is, this is what it's like to pick the team for kickball. But what, did, what qualifications did Jesus use for picking the disciples, the 12 disciples that were going to change the world. I mean, this kickball was a big deal, but this is kind of a little bit bigger. You know what I'm talking about? And so when he's looking at Simon, Andrew, James, John, like what, what did he see in those guys, right? From the scripture, we can deduce that there was three main qualifications that Jesus was looking for. He was asking those who said yes to him to be trustworthy, to be teachable, and to be task-oriented. And so these are the three that I want to unpack because just as Jesus was inviting the disciples to follow him, he's asking us to follow him. And if we say yes to Jesus, these are the qualifications that Jesus is looking for in us today, here in 2021, as his disciples. These are the qualifications. So let's unpack these. The first one is that Jesus is looking for friends whom he can trust. Okay, so the first two words out of Jesus' mouth weren't, hey, how you doing? They were, follow me, right? And follow me is a test of trust. How many of you parents out there know that if you're in like a, a crowded place and you're like, hey, follow me to your kids, you got one who's going to be like, yes, ma'am, I'm on my way. And then there's another one's like, oh, you want me to run away really, really fast? I mean, this is a test of trust. You can trust that the one is going to do what they're asking but the other one, whoo, that's the wild card, isn't it? And so it's like, please not today, Jesus, not today. And so, but Jesus is putting out this test of trust because from trust flows loyalty. From trust, you can have confidence. And from trust, where there's trust, there's openness, right? You're not going to share your life details with somebody you don't trust, and Jesus is looking for a close-knit, tight group where they're going to be open, right? And so those things, those qualities are so essential to becoming a disciple of Jesus. And how many of you guys know that in a relationship, when trust is severed, the relationship begins to die? And we're not saying that trust can't be mended or repaired or rebuilt, but if it's not, the relationship begins to deteriorate. And trust is essential in high-pressure environments, right? So if you're in a high-pressure environment, you need to be able to trust the people to your left and to your right. And I'm pretty sure, you know, Jesus being plan A, B, C, D, E, all the way to Z for God, for saving the world, that qualifies as a high-pressure environment. I mean, when the disciples are getting rocks thrown at them, thrown in jail, thrown in pits. I mean, every which way you turn, that wasn't a sexy job. That was high pressure. And so Jesus knew this was all going to happen. He knew he needed some people whom he can trust. See, 
I think there's three levels of trust, actually. <laughs> I was thinking about this. I'm going, you know, there's kind of three levels. The entry-level version of trust is that trust that you have with a buddy. And you know that moment when your buddy says, hey, close your eyes, trust me. That's a version of trust, right? 99% of the time, it's not going to end well because they're pulling a joke on you, right? They're going to make you eat something bad or do something weird or trip you, and you're going to look like a knucklehead. But listen, at some level, some people close their eyes, and they're like, man, I trust this guy. I don't know why, but I do. The second level of trust is when you're working on a deadline with a group of people. Maybe it's at work. Maybe you're working on a project at school. I don't know. But you know when you're, the deadline's looming and it's coming fast and all of a sudden you get to this crossroads where the plan that you had isn't really working. And you keep beating it and it's not working and keep trying and it's not working. And all of a sudden one of the people on the team without fail turns to you and goes, I got an idea. Trust me. Well, you're at a deadline. There's not much you can do because right now you're either praying that this joker knows what he's talking about and it works out or you're both fired. And so either way, it's not really a good situation, but that's a level of trust. And the third level of trust, you only find in a few certain areas of life. The first area is the military. Listen, if you're in the military, you guys go through some rigorous training to the point where you can trust the person to your left and the person to your right, that they're going to follow through. And ultimately, your life depends on it, right? <coughs> the police department, the fire department, same page, right? But I think the third area is marriage. You have to have some pretty high trust in marriage, right? Because your life depends on it. <laughs> ultimately, you trust that they're going to have some grace when you mess up and they're not going to murder you for it ultimately in your sleep. <laughs> See, Jesus needs the same trust from his disciples, but trust is a funny thing. It's a two-way street. So not only is Jesus looking for disciples whom he can trust, he's looking for disciples who trust him, who trust in him and his word and the mission that God's given him. And I think that's where a lot of us might find ourselves struggling. I think there might be some people in this room that might be struggling to trust God in an area of their life. Maybe you've been hurt by a leader or maybe you've seen miracles happen time and time again in other people's lives and you're sitting there going, maybe it's just not in the cards for me. Maybe God's promises aren't real for me and they're just real for other people. I'm here to tell you that's not true at all and that you can trust God because God's word is unfailable, undeniable and available for every single one of us. Amen, amen. Guys, listen, trust is a two-way street, right? So if we got to trust God, God's got to trust us. And the first disciple that Jesus trusted, the first disciple that he called was Peter. And I don't know if you know about Peter, but Peter was the first one to betray Jesus' trust. Ironically, Jesus told him, hey, listen, you're going to do this. It's going to happen. And Peter's like, no, man, I, not me. You don't, Jesus, wrong guy. You're talking about Bartholomew over there. It's not me. Anyways, long story short, Peter denied Jesus three times publicly. And you know what the crazy part is? Jesus knew it was going to happen. Jesus knew that Peter was going to betray him, but he chose him anyways. And I think there's some of us that wonder why would Jesus choose me to be his disciple? Why, why would God trust me? I, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. 
You don't know the things I've said, the people I've hurt, the people I've abandoned, the mistakes I've made. But Jesus still chooses you, no matter what you did yesterday, today, or what you're gonna do tomorrow. <clears throat> See, Jesus knew that Peter would betray him, but he chose him anyways, because loyalty is one of the first qualifications of discipleship. Jesus is looking for us to be loyal. He's looking for us to be obedient to him in our actions. He's looking for us to be obedient to him in our words and in our thoughts. But Jesus knows that we're gonna fall short. Hence why he was sent, right? Hence the whole mission. Hence the whole message of Jesus. Hence the good news. And Jesus knows. And I think that is some good news, right? Because if you get hired for a job and your employer says, hey, listen, I know you're going to mess up, but we're going to work on getting better. It's going to be okay. You're going to go, whoo, okay, I can do this. I, I can get through this. Come on, we can do this, right? That should be the revelation that we have when we hear the good news of Jesus. I think it's also important to notice that Jesus isn't calling us to be perfect, but he's also not calling us to be servants. He's not looking for slaves. In John chapter 15, verse 15, it says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. So trust is the number one qualification. Everyone say trust. The number two is that Jesus is looking for disciples who are teachable. Everybody say teachable. See, when Jesus calls, he says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He promises a lifelong learning and growth process. See, it's not by accident that Jesus chose some unschooled, unsophisticated, probably really smelly fishermen. You know, like we're sitting here talking about picking superstars for kickball, and Jesus is like, yo, give me those guys. And people are like, those guys? He's like, yeah, those guys. Are you sure? Yeah, those guys. And you're like, all right, Jesus. You know what? Jesus saw something that we didn't. He saw teachable men. He saw teachable people that were going to be able to be taught to fish for men. And some of those fishermen, I guarantee you, were probably looking at Jesus like, hey, listen, there's a few other boats out here on the water. I know you yelled and said, follow me. Were you talking to me? Like, you know, that moment of like, me? Are you talking to me? You want me to be your disciple? I think we can all relate to that because it's hard to feel qualified to be a representative of Christ because of our past, because of our sins, because of the things that we've walked through. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever asked yourself, why me? I think it's important to remember in those moments specifically because, hey, listen, even if you've been a follower of Christ your whole life, I guarantee you, you still wrestle with that at some level at different places in your life, whether it be your marriage, whether it be parenting. Listen, there's some times where you just go, you know, hey, just do what I say. And then they walk out of the room and they're like, I hope I was right. Um, I don't really know if I'm qualified for this. God, Jesus, take the wheel. I mean, there's, there's moments in every area of our life where we can relate to that, where we felt unqualified. But we need to remember in those moments that Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. What he's done is intentional. It's on purpose. And it's, there's no mistake. Jesus hasn't like asked for a do-over whatsoever. Listen, every single thing that Jesus has done is perfect, is intentional. 
And so I think when Jesus picked these guys out, he was looking for people who were teachable. And so why, what would make these unsophisticated fishermen teachable? Well, they had little to unlearn. See, sometimes our sophistication, our world experience, our intellect gets in the way and becomes a barrier to truth. It's hard to teach somebody the truth when they seem to know everything, isn't it? Maybe you know somebody in your world, but there's a few in my world. Every time I tell them something, they immediately respond with like, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. Or, oh, yeah, totally. I heard that yesterday. Or, or the, what's even worse is that people are like, that's ridiculous. You have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, dude, this is my life. I just lived it like two minutes ago. How are you telling me I'm wrong? And so I think Jesus is going, hey, these guys are teachable. Uh, this mission's urgent. It's important. I need some people that are willing to learn, that are willing to be taught without intellectual preconceptions or cultural mindsets that will be insurmountable barriers to truth. Hey, if you didn't catch our previous series, Kingdom Come, you need to go check it out because some of the cultural mindsets that are running rampant in this world today are immense barriers to truth. And I think it is something that helps us as Christians to understand what it is that people are processing through, not just people, but even ourselves sometimes. What if it's a barrier to truth in our own life? What if we can't wrap our mind around the grace that God has for us because of some of the things that the world has taught us? I think that's something that's worth looking into. And so when we're talking about it, being teachable, it's ultimately easier to learn than it is to unlearn, right? You have some bad habits that you've tried to change over the course of your life. I don't care if you're 10, 12, 18, 28, 88. It doesn't matter. It's harder than heck to change those things in your life. Like when I was learning to play golf, my father would bring me to golf camp and he would drop me off in the summers and I'd have an instructor that would teach me how to hold the club, where to place the ball between my feet. He would tell me where to look with my head, how to swing the club, all of everything, which I remember maybe like 25% of, to be honest. But every time I would go, I would then come home, and my father, he would go play golf with me. And my father would say, like, what are you doing? Like, you're grabbing the club all wrong. Like, change this, do this, do this. It's okay. You probably just misunderstood the instructor. And I'm like, and that's what he had taught me from a young age. And then the very next day, I'd go back to the instructor, and the instructor would go like this, kind of walk around me a little bit, look at me, swing the ball a few times, swing the club, hit the ball. And he'd look at me, and he'd go, what the heck are you doing? And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? I mean, I'm swinging. This, this is what you taught me, isn't it? He goes, no, that's not what I taught you. And I think that God looks at us the same way sometimes. God's looking at you like, hey, I wrote the whole Bible for you. It's right here. What are you doing? And I don't know about you guys, but I feel that from God. And not in like a shameful way, but like kind of like that V8 moment. Like, hey, whoa. And then, you know, then he laughs at me a little bit and I get it together. But I don't know. I think we all interpret God's correction a little differently, right? But thank God for humor, right? And so Jesus is looking for someone that's able to not have to be deprogrammed and reprogrammed. 
And so they have nothing to hinder the process of becoming fishers of men because that's the, the ultimate, out, ultimate outcome is for these disciples, these unsophisticated fishermen to be fishers of men upon which God will then save the world. Whew, sounds like a tall task. I want to challenge you guys. Think about this for a minute. What are some areas in your life right now that God might be trying to get your attention in? Some areas of your life where maybe you've been unteachable, where you've been unreceptive to his commandments or unreceptive to his guidance and his will. What are some areas of your life that you're just not willing to let go of and you're that know-it-all going, no, I like the way it is. Because I think there's some areas, if we're being honest with ourselves, where God's trying to get our attention and teach us. And so we've been invited into his mission, so he needs us to be trustworthy and he needs us to be teachable, right? Jesus is looking for disciples who are trustworthy, disciples who are teachable, and thirdly, disciples who are task-oriented. See, he's not looking for worker bees. He's not looking for people who are just really great at checking the boxes off of the to-do list. If that's you, no offense whatsoever. My wife is phenomenal. This woman rocks a to-do list like there's nobody business. But you know what the first thing on her to-do list is? make a to-do list. So instantly she's like, bam, got it. So Jesus isn't looking for these worker bees that are just going to work themselves to the bones. He's looking for people who have captured the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. He's looking for people who understand what it means, even though that we're sinners, that we've received mercy that we don't even deserve. But when somebody has captured that message, it compels you. It compels you to take action because if you're a believer and if you've heard the word of God and you realize and you've been saved and you've said yes to Jesus, you got to do something about it. It's not good enough to just get clean and washed up and thank you, Jesus, and he moves on to the next one. He's like, no, hey, you're washed up, cleaned up and saved up. Let's go. Let's go do this. He, he said, hey, follow me. Jesus wasn't coming through blessing and then moving on. Jesus was coming in and going, yo, come join the club. Let's go. Because I need people to reach more people. He's looking for people that are willing to be co-workers and share in his task. He's looking for people who are willing to chip in and go, hey, this mission is bigger than all of us. And I got to do something about it. Because I received this grace and I did not deserve it. And therefore, there's others that need to know the grace and the mercy and the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. See, what does that look like, though, to share in his task? What does that look like for you and for me here in 2021? Because in the scripture, it says, I will make you become fishers of men. Okay, well, that obviously speaks volumes to the task to which the disciples are called and to which the expectations that Jesus has. See, I think Jesus uses the metaphor because the skills that are required to catch a fish are much like the skills that are required to catch men, right? <laughs> Sounds weird, but it's true. If you want to be a fisher of men, you need to have the same skills as a fisherman. You need to have patience, so it requires time, it requires discipline, and it requires intuition. Otherwise, that net's coming up empty, and I don't know if you realize this, if a fisherman doesn't catch fish, they're broke. And back then, not only are they broke, there ain't no food stamps, so they're hungry. 
They're going to starve. So fishermen that were set in sea, first of all, they weren't bright enough or wise enough to do much of anything else. So they're fishermen. There's really not another plant. They got to fish. And if a fisherman ain't catching fish, man, it's over, right? And so Jesus is looking at these guys going, you know what? These guys aren't going to give up. These guys know what it takes. They know that they need to be patient. They know they need to be consistent. And they are not going to throw in the towel when this gets hard because, trust me, it's going to get hard, right? And so the message is good. The message of good news is good, i.e. why it's called good news. But it's going to require your life, flat out. It's going to require a dedication, a level of trustworthiness, a, a spirit of being trustworthy, and a spirit of not giving up. Jesus is looking for people and friends who he can trust, disciples who he can teach, and coworkers who are not going to give up. See, fishing for men, this is a bottom line job. So let me talk to you for a minute. When we're talking about becoming a Christian, if you're looking at this on Indeed and you're going, okay, Christian, what's the job description? Bottom line, entry-level position is fishing for men. So this isn't like I can be a Christian and just kick back. It says, no, say yes to Jesus and go fishing. Go fish for men. This is bottom line. Every single person in the church who has ever said yes to Jesus, this is our job. Not an option. This is what Jesus is asking of us. Point blank, period. And you know why? Because eternity hangs in the balance. There's eternity that hangs in the balance for people in your world right now. People in your community, people at your kid's school, people at your job, people on your block. There are people from your past, maybe people from school that you're friends with on Facebook that you don't know why you're still friends with them. They post this weird stuff, but guess what? They need to know the hope that's found in Jesus and you're still friends with them. Come on, we gotta do this. And Jesus is relying on us because he has called us just as he called the fishermen to be his disciples. Hey, maybe you're sitting there right now thinking to yourself, okay, great. Well, I get it. Don't yell at me. I just don't know how to do that. I don't know if I can do that. Jesus says, follow me first and foremost. Second, he says, I will make you become fishers of men. So let me give you a few quick practicals of how you can be fishers for men. There's a few few free easy ones for you. The first is look around your world and see if there's anybody that you think needs the hope of Jesus Christ. Anybody come to mind? Work, school, the pickup line, that annoying lady that just keeps talking to you for some reason and you don't know why I got, that's probably because you need to tell her about Jesus. Invite them to church. Step one. Step one. All you got to say is, hey, listen, I don't know if you go to church or if you're open to going to church. I go to this one church that is awesome. You should come check it out. Step two. Pray for those people every single day. Pray for them by name. Pray that they would encounter Jesus, that they would accept your invitation to church, that they would come to know Jesus. And third, your story. Your story, your testimony, the very thing that you're ashamed of, the very thing that you've tried to hide is the very story that God's equipped you with to go fishing. 
It's the best bait that you can use. Because guess what? Your story is a story of redemption. Your story is a story of grace. Your story is the exact story that the people in your world need to hear. And that is how you can go fishing. Listen, Jesus said, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And when I hear that now, all I can think of is, man, there's so many people that need the message of Jesus Christ, but there are so many Christians that have stopped at being believers and have not become coworkers. Jesus wasn't looking for a group of friends to kick back with and be like, yo, I'm Jesus, let's go hang out at this campfire and go walk barefoot. He wasn't. Listen, I know that there was times where Jesus sat down and he taught the disciples and he had conversations with them. And they talked about life and they talked about God and, and the future and the kingdom of God. But Jesus has always been and will always be about the mission. And the mission is people. Jesus wants to reach people and he needs people to reach people. And he needs people to reach people so that they can reach more people. And they need to reach more people so that they can reach... More people. Jesus isn't stopping ever. It's always going to be about reaching more people. And unfortunately, I believe there's a lot of people who have stopped at believing and haven't crossed that threshold into being a co-worker, a co-laborer with Jesus. And quite frankly, it's frustrating. Because if you look around the church, not our church, the church, if you look at Christianity in general, my question is, when did the summation of Christianity become self-improvement? When did church become the new self-improvement seminar that people went to? When did church, when did Christianity become so focused on my calling and what's my purpose? And look, I'm stained with sin and I got to get better. I got to exercise this and I got to do that and I got to do this. And no, no. Jesus didn't say, hey, follow me and find your purpose. Jesus didn't say, follow me and I'll help you identify your calling. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll, I'll iron out your past for you and clean you up. He said, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. Listen, your calling and your purpose is to be his disciple. And to be his disciple, it requires us to be fishers of men. I want to be a disciple of Christ that's moving the kingdom of God forward, that's expanding. I want to be a disciple who isn't perfect, very clearly. If you know me, you know I've made plenty of mistakes, and I know you have too. I think we need to realize that our purpose is to be a disciple. And that manifests on two levels in our life. It should manifest on a macro level and a micro level. On a macro level, what that looks like is us using our gifts and our passion that God gave us in the local church to help advance the kingdom of God. And on a micro level, we are co-workers with him, making disciples who make disciples. We can't just tell people about Jesus. It's not good enough. We need people to go tell people about Jesus. The body of Christ, the church in and of itself, you come to this amazing church and we have these amazing pastors who share these amazing messages that are inspire us and often cause us to have life change. Guess what? There's a mission on this church to reach 27,000 people in the life of this church in 14 different cities. 
That is not just Pastor Carrie and Megan's job. That's our job as the church, as disciples. That's why we have connect groups where people get together in smaller groups. They take the message that God gave them or that Pastor Carrie and Megan gave them and break it down and make disciples who make disciples. It's not just one person's job to share the good news and the message of Jesus, it's all of ours. The message is good news for you, it's good news for me, but Jesus is looking for us to be trustworthy. He's looking for us to be teachable and he's looking for us to be task oriented. But before we can become a disciple, before any of that, we need to say yes to Jesus. We need to say yes to follow me. Just as Jesus offered that to the fishermen, he's offering that to us today. And we need to say yes. And there might be some of you in this room that are feeling disqualified, a little lost. I'm not sure how to do that. Saying yes to Jesus is as, as simple as that. I'm gonna say a little prayer. We're gonna close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you wanna say yes to Jesus, you wanna start that journey here today, just repeat these words after me. Dear God, I know that you're real and I know that you've given me a purpose, but I also know that I'm not perfect and I know that I've messed up. God, help me to realize that you don't care, that you've forgiven me and that you have chosen me anyways. And if you wanna say yes to Jesus, repeat this after me. Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.